Hello, and welcome to Growing the Top Line, a podcast where I interview leading executives and CEOs to get their perspectives on growth strategy. My name is Cliff Farah, President and CEO of The Beacon Group, a growth strategy consulting firm. Join us as we dig deeper into the process of, well, growing the top line. General, thank you so much for making time to talk today uh, about... I know near and dear to both of our hearts, uh, growth strategy and, and sort of beacon and how we do things. Everyone, this is uh, General uh, Gene Blackwell. And uh, General, I thought it might be worth it for us to talk a little bit about your uh, story and kind of how you got to where you are today uh, as context for, for people to um, understand your frame of reference. So you were, you were in the Army. Yes, sir. I was. So let me give you an abbreviated version of uh, that experience. I joined the Army out of uh, graduate school and uh, immediately went into infantry training. Next thing I knew, I'm sent off to Panama to jungle warfare school and learn how to fight in a jungle and came back to find myself on the way to Vietnam. After two tours in Vietnam and uh, a number of other great assignments, I was privileged to uh, attend the Marine Command and Staff College, sort of get an understanding of how the Marines work. Probably one of my earlier, uh, more favorable assignments that I enjoyed was 82nd Airborne Division. And oh, by the way, my son subsequently served in the same unit I served in. And right now my grandson is serving in that unit ah. and, and he's deployed to Iraq. So interesting that my my dad, my dad as well, 82nd, uh, back in remember too. I remember that. Yes, sir. Uh, interesting over the years, I had the privilege of mostly infantry assignments at the battalion level in Germany, at the brigade level in Fort Lewis, Washington, uh, at the division level at Fort Stewart, Georgia. When I was in, uh, right before I came to Fort Stewart, I was in the 3rd Army Division in Europe and deployed uh, with the 3rd Army Division on Operation Desert Storm, where I was responsible for the close fight. Uh, which was an unfair fight, but it was still a fight. And so the truth is, then I came back to Fort Stewart, commanded division, wonderful time with 20,000 wonderful troops, and then off to uh, the Pentagon to be the Army Desk Ops. And that's about the time that uh, I said, this has been wonderful, but I don't like staff assignments. I like field assignments, and I'm going to go do something else. And shortly after that, I joined Raytheon. And shortly after that, you and I met. So that's the background of that story. Yes, sir. Um, so fair to say you have a significant amount of experience in, in planning operations. Yes? Okay. And one of the, one of the theses that I have in, um, in, in, in the book is that um, what we do and to do it well is very consistent with how you might approach a battle plan uh, as, a, as, a, as a military leader. And I, and I, and I know, you know, we, you and I, we, we met at Raytheon, but it's been now 20 years uh, of a relationship together and you're a core part of this firm and I appreciate all you do for us. Um, and so, so you, you're interesting from an interview standpoint because you're already fluent in how we do what we do. And I'm I, I'm I'm curious in um, in 
understanding how you think there are parallels between what might be done in the military and how we approach uh, planning at Beacon. There's clearly a corollary relationship. Uh, and and uh, if, if you will allow me to talk for a period of time, I'll tell Please. you about that relationship. Would love to hear I, it, yes, sir. I, 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 think, I think defense industries, just as the military's focus on strategy is strategy to achieve success. Strategy, you know, what Beacon brings is a tremendous capability to help industry grow their top line. And, and it's all about growth. And so it's about achieving success. In the military, it's about achieving success, a different success. In this, in this case, winning battles, as the case may be. But, but, but if, I could, if, if I could tell you a little more about the planning process of the military Please. and relate that to where Beacon fits in with industry. And, and so you need to know that from the very beginnings, when people enter the military, one of the first things they're taught, and this is true for the Army, for Marine Corps, for the CBs, and a little different from the Air Force, and I'll explain that, they are taught a five-paragraph field order. It's called a five-paragraph op order or a five-paragraph field plan. It's a very simple process, and, and what it's designed to do is to give a structured format that makes it easy to execute missions. Okay. And so I want to explain that format to you in light of how industry can relate that to what Beacon does. Sure, sure. And, and so I, I, I start by explaining that the, this five-paragraph field order, surprisingly enough, has five points. It, it has it has a situation, a mission, an execution, an admin log annex, and a command and signal annex. Now, okay. all of those relate to what Beacon does, and, and and I will start by explaining this. The first part of the five-graph field order is is the situation. It's an articulation of the situation. And it starts with the enemy. Now, translate that to a competitive assessment that Beacon does. And so what you have is an understanding of the competitive environment that you're working in. It's right. a little bit different from, from the military perspective, but the goal is the same. It's to clearly understand in, in, in industry, it's to understand what the competition is. In yep. the military, it's to understand what the enemy is and does. There's something called EEI, essential elements of information. And those are the data points that are needed. You could correlate those to an overarching statement of scope that yep. you would provide to, to Beacon in order to do the study. So, sure. so that is where I think the competitive assessment piece of that fits in, along with many of the other attributes that Beacon brings to the client. The second so, part of the, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, I was, I was, uh, I'm going to let you go and then I'll come, I'll come back to it because I'm. It take you I'm, too long. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so immediately to, to the enemy, not the, the battlefield, not the terrain, not, you know, the, the, right. the 
hostile environment you're fighting in. It's just where the hell is the enemy and what are they doing? But I mean, I'm simple. I'm simplifying, but it's to understand the enemy. You understand. You understand all. Understand all aspects of the enemy. Just like when you do competitive intelligence analysis in Beacon, you want a holistic look at the competitive environment. So the more you know about the enemy, uh, the the better off you are. We're told in a detailed look at this that it's the enemy, the terrain, the weather, the capability, and what the enemy's probable courses of action are. Is the enemy likely to attack, or is he going to continue in a defensive posture, or is he going to withdraw, or whatever? So right. all, all of that, and that gets into the intelligence preparation of the battlefield, which is the term used. The second piece of the situation is the friendly situation. And, and to, to me, the friendly situation, it, it's much of the same. You want to understand the mission of surrounding units. You want to know where the other forces are. You want to uh, have have a clear understanding of your capabilities. Now, if you correlate that kind of a study to what Beacon brings, Beacon says from the friendly situation, in order for me to assess your strategic growth capability and help you with strategic growth, I need to understand your technologies. I need to understand your current capabilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So this is a continuation, I think, of of the Beacon story relating to the situation. Right. The second part of mission planning, the, this field order, is the mission. And it's what you intend to accomplish. It It is... It is a statement by the commander of what we're going to do, whether it's attack, defend, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> I use this process in Vietnam. It was very simple. It, it might be a one-pager written on a sloppy piece of paper at that time. Yeah. The mission may be that we're going to conduct an air mobile assault to close with and destroy the enemy based on the intelligence we've received at point A, B, or C. Right. So the same thing is, this approach is used by, in campaign planning, this this five-paragraph field order would be much more involved and extensive, but it's the same process we used in Desert Storm. It's the same process Norm Schwarzkopf used, and, and it's the same process that uh, has been used throughout all battles that the yep. army has been involved in. So, 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 it so makes both, sense. So both a, a, a local <coughs> troop and at the army level, you could deploy the same process. Same process. And, and it is. Yep. Now, it gets much more involved. <clears throat> that one page written on paper <clears throat> that I was talking about might be 200 pages of yeah, yeah. depth and all classified. Right. At the at the campaign level. Sure. Sure. So, so the mission it, it's it's clear that the commander writes the mission statement and he must state what he wants to accomplish. Now, you correlate that to I consider the mission statement being a clear definition of the scope and the objectives that someone wanting to take take advantage of beacon services would do. 
Right. They're stating what they want to accomplish. Right. <laughs> and that would be, I think, the, the worthwhile piece of that. The third part is the execution. Okay. It starts with what is the most important process or the most important statement in all of this. It's called the commander's intent. This is what I intend to accomplish by this mission. Okay. We're going to go liberate Kuwait. Yep. Uh, that's that's what we're after at a campaign level. But at a at a platoon level, it may be to attack the next hill and to uh, occupy that hill until we're, you know, until sure. we're reinforced or withdrawn or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so the commander's intent. I think is further definition from Raytheon's, I mean, from the uh, industry perspective of definition of the objectives, defining the scope. This is intent of what I want to learn yep. as an industry executive based on this. Okay. So the, con so, so the execution also leads to the concept of growth uh, or the concept of operations, how you intend to execute this. And and to me, that leads into understanding the beacon process. In other words, the concept of operation for what beacon may do to help you answer questions about top end growth, mergers and acquisitions, opportunities, whatever. That's the concept of operation that we lay out when we do a proposal. Right. And to me, there's a corollary there. Okay. Uh, after that, the other two aspects are aspects that got us in trouble on Desert Storm, for example. The next is the admin log or service support. And okay, that's, that's all, everything up to this point has made a whole bunch of sense. An admin log and service support, that for the layperson out there, I'm sure they're like, huh, what, what, what's that all about? How are you going to resupply your ammunition? How are you going to refuel your tanks? Okay. Way, that was a major challenge during Desert Storm. Okay. We had to put hundreds of tankers behind the main attack with fuel in order to continue the operation. And we still had to take tactical pauses to refuel. We could not sustain that battle. So okay. it's how are you going to feed the troops in an yeah. extended battle? It's yep. all aspects of that. It's how are you going to maintain and repair the equipment? Yep. Short story there, uh, Raytheon, when I was with Raytheon, we built the Q36 and Q37 radars. Okay. Anti-mortar uh, anti and uh, anti-mortar radars by and large. And <clears throat> they, they went to pot. There was no maintenance program. We didn't have enough field reps in, forward deployed with them. Mm. And so the, so the Army... It got to the chief of staff of the Army who said, you need to go fix the Q36 and Q37. Somewhere or another, I stuck with that. But we finally did fix it, and, uh, and it worked out fine. But it shows you the importance of <coughs> having a detailed maintenance plan. Right. Just, just as when we do research in some areas of sustainment, for example, we have to be looking at the holistic view of, of what the demands and needs are. Right. The, the last of the five paragraphs is called command and signal. 
this is how you measure success, how you define what it is that you think you can look at and say, I've achieved success. It also assigns responsibilities to, to various people. Okay. So I, I just tell you that because it seems to me that the five paragraph field order has a great analogy to what Beacon does. I think it does. You know, we, you know, the, the, the process that, um, that we use does them in slightly different order, right? So, so we would say, you know, set that goal up front, right? Like yep. what is the mission? Yep. How, how will you define success? What, what are, what are the intents? And, and we would, we would apply it. We'd have financial goals, um, you know, re revenue, profit, uh, we might have share goals and we'd have timing goals, right? So do yep. this by when, yep. and then, um, you know, the, the, this assessment of, of self, right? Like the force I have and how it's resourced, right? What can it, you know, who do, who am I taking to the fight? What are they capable of and That's what right. kind of, and what kind of armament do they have? Right? So that, that notion of that friendly, um, peace right knowing knowing you know who's around you and what resourcing you have to go uh, uh fight the 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 piece I, I don't know where it would fall in there although I'm, i'll think about it but this notion of the the terrain you're on right like like the 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 the, the corollary to that might be the political environment the economic environment right the right just the rules of the game that you're playing in what what are those rules and then, um, you know, certainly a competitive analysis, you know, the force you're up against and their strengths and weaknesses that that is is in our is in our process. And then, you know, how do you think through the world? So so, so maybe you can talk to this a little bit uh, as a freshly minted. There are two two audiences for this book. OK, one is one is um, a freshly minted practitioner right? Someone who, who's never been tasked with uh you know with with developing a growth strategy in your world you know uh, a, a a recent graduate from west point deployed in the field as a lieutenant faced with their first real uh you know combat and you know experience right or, or maybe it's when they're entering west point I don't, I, I don't know where you would run into this but you know given an objective given a force given awareness of the enemy how do you teach people to think through the world of how they could attack to achieve the mission, and then winnow that down to what they should do, uh, and and what they get their troops engaged in and supportive of. I I think you've heard the statement about piss poor planning provides, you know, what kind of results. Uh, it, it it gets a lot into the planning side of that and and to my to me it's a perspective of you want to go through a detailed process of understanding you want to ensure that every member of your organization understands the mission and the focus that's yeah. why there's a simplified five paragraph field order but then you must understand that before you execute you want to rehearse it mm. you want to go through a detailed rehearsal for, for Desert Storm, we deployed the entire division of nearly 25,000 soldiers in combat formations and spread them on the Saudi Arabian desert 
it extended 100 kilometers and it was a total spread formation and then we rehearsed it then we did a rock drill so so the point is it's the level you take every moment you have to plan and rehearse as much as you can okay and 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 once you have done that planning and rehearsal then you have to remember the old saying that once the first shot is fired or once you cross the line of departure the plan goes out the window at least the plan will be modified and you have to have the unexpected that leads into the next piece of that and that is what we call planning for planning for for any kind of uh sequels we call we we call them uh branches and sequels okay so that so that you now can anticipate the unexpected yeah and you anticipate and and, and adjust for that so th- there's a correlation of all of that uh, to to what i think beacon brings to industry let's talk about the part where you've decided on the plan who do you who do you involve so our our position is if you're it's one thing to set the the mission goals as the commander, right? But if the commander comes up with the plan without engaging, you know, the supply, the supply line, you know, organization, the, you know, the the armament uh, uh, depot, the, you know, the, um, uh, right? Uh, you, you know, your probability of failure is high. So, so the corollary in the working world, uh, the the enterprise world might be, uh, not that not that warfighters don't work. Please don't take that away. Um, the, 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 the correlate in the enterprise world might be, um, you know, get, get manufacturing and get R and D and get marketing and get sales and get HR and get finance, get legal involved in planning process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the point being that this, this order process is not something that the commander or the battalion or brigade S3 sits down and writes the order. It is put together by the entire staff, and you're exactly right. Every functional activity of that organization must have a role in all of that and understand exactly what they're doing. It includes, you know, what the transportation plan is, what the medical evacuation plan is, what do we do with prisoners of war? So it involves everyone. Yeah, the S, you know, S1, G1, G2, G3, G4, G5, G6. So they all have to have, they start with the commander's intent. And once they understand the commander's intent, they are then able to input their portion. You know, when you're when you're writing the campaign plan for Desert Storm or for Iraqi Freedom, that campaign plan has volumes that are written by the varying staff members and so it it includes all of those and 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 so when you look at a detailed paragraph order it gives all of the additional things you know had what are the uniform what are the arms and ammunition requirements? how many how many magazines are we carrying up that gets down to the uh, what yeah. do we do with the captured and so forth and so on? So the, the fact is, it has to be a harmonized, integrated team that works together. Mm. It sort of gets into the second aspect of what you talked about in terms of 
teams and what makes successful teams. So let's talk about that. What what do you think are the, the factors that in your decades of experience leading troops uh, of, make an effective team? You, you, you sort of told me uh, that I was going to talk about this aspect, so I put, I put a little brain power in it. That's good. Uh, I, I think successful teams, I'll, I'll give you my my list of characteristics and then we can expand on. Okay. And these are these are in no particular order. But successful teams, whether in the business world, whether in in the military or whatever, I believe have to have a common focus. I think they have to have a clear shared vision of what they're trying to accomplish. They have to have open communications. They have to prepare thoroughly as a team, and each member of the team has to know what their duties and responsibilities and limitations are so that they can execute accordingly. They must clearly understand the mission or expectations assigned to them. They must have the ability to adapt quickly. They must have a determination to succeed. There must be a recognition of success, and the team has got to feel appreciated. I think it's very important that they do that, and they have to believe in the leadership. That You would think that would be more important in combat or in military operations, but it's just as important in industry or, sure. or whatever. You've got to believe that the leadership has the best interest of the organization and thus your best interest at heart. Mm. Uh, it's a little different in the military because you're committing, you're committing people uh, to a possible death. And, and so it, I, think, I think in the military you feel more, I don't know what the right term is, you, you feel more associated with the people you're with. You know that when you stand in front of this group of people, some of them are going to die in yeah. very short order. And, yeah. and, and, and if I experienced that, and it's, uh, it's a humbling experience. But the, the other thing is there must be trust in the leadership. There must be a, commit, a commitment to a common cause. There must have a feeling that you can be heard. Uh, I'm not saying that we, no one was more, of a horse's butt to deal with people in the military than I was. But the, the point being- You had a great reputation. Well, I had a reputation, but, <laughs> but you have to learn to treat people uh, with dignity and respect. Yeah. And, and that's what they expect. And so the team members though, in the final analysis, must have a willingness to support the decisions once those decisions are made. Okay. And so, that's a long list. I could give it to you, but as I sat and thought about uh, what you asked about successful, no, I think I think these are great. I think these are great. Um, you know, the in a lot of our our process, you know, uh, back in the day, I was a I did a lot of change management consulting, and they would we would talk about there being two kinds of change, right? There's incremental change and transformational change. Incremental change, obviously slight pivot over time, transformational change, shock to the system, behavioral uh, uh, stimulus applied, and people do things differently. 
um, one takes a lot longer than the other one. And when we do our planning processes, uh, typically, I think when you do these annual planning processes, you, you know, the, the one thing that, and I, I guess you have it in military planning as well, but you have legacy operations that pay dividends during the time frame that you're considering, right? So you have to have this, you know, this awareness of, of any, anything that you did last year or the year before that has impact on what you can or should do this year, right? New product development, mm -hmm. you entered a new geography, you acquired a company, um, you have to include history into the planning lesson, right? You can't just do it. You can't just do it in a van unless you're a startup, right? If you're, if you're totally in a vacuum, then all bets are off. But, um, how do you work that in, right? Is that, is that more of the, the situational awareness, you know, like the, 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 the um, I, I guess, does it have a formal step in? to the planning process in the military? Say say, uh, say you had uh, political operations in theater to improve your relationship with, you know, I don't know, one of the kingdoms in the Middle East, right? Yep. Um, and that that would allow you to have, you know, maybe in two years time access to a forward operating base that didn't exist before, right? right. When you're doing the plan, how would you factor that in? Was that just environmental? It would just be part of the the normal five five step uh, process or would it be an additional when, when as you get more senior in the in the ranks i i think it's more of, of an approach of saying this is the goal that we have that two years from now we want to establish a forward operating base in country x okay and that becomes a a secondary factor for consideration as you execute your duties and responsibilities in country. In, in other words, it's sort of like saying part of the commander's intent is to set the conditions for a successful establishment of this forward operating base. And therefore, the staff, back to your team's uh, discussion, the staff would factor this into their planning process, knowing that that's what the commander intended to get accomplished. All right. So, so, so I've, I've been doing a bunch of interviews with leaders and there was a phrase used in one of them that has really stuck with me, said that, that, um, uh, one of the folks I interviewed said that, you know, you run across people who are, who are tone deaf on strategy development. They can't think strategically, right? They just don't have the the hardwiring in their brain to do what we do. And and it, and it struck a chord for me because I do think there are, you know, it's kind of like people who are natural athletes or people who are, you know, they're just it just seems to be an easy step in for them to do certain roles. Um, in the military though, where you have a big organization, huge organization. You can't always pick and choose, um, you know, correctly, right? Is there a is there? A, and I don't, I'm 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 struggling to come up with like the words. But you know, when you think about the team that's trying to execute on the on the intent, on the mission's intent, or the commander's intent, um, how many f poor fits can you have? in that process before it starts to fail 
or how do you manage against that? It depends on the environment. Uh, if the environment allows you to be, let's say, more forgiving, mm. if the environment is not such that it has an impact on loss of life, then you may be able to tolerate more of, of what I would say is stone deafness or incompetence, as the case may be. But if it is in a situation that is life and death, you make uh, quick decisions. I must admit, I relieved six lieutenants in Vietnam in a short period of time because they were getting my soldiers killed, and, and I couldn't tolerate that. that yep. that's, a, that's the kind of situation where the environment was different. If that environment were at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, or Fort Lewis, Washington, then I could be more tolerant. So sure. I, I think, but at, at the strategic level, if, I mean, at, at the big army level, you have the same kind of a situation where division commanders who are in a combat environment, who are unable to execute on the core commander's intent, may well find himself being relieved, and there have been a number of those. So, so to me, it is a judgmental decision based on the environment in, in which you find yourself. So, so now let's, let's play the corollary game. Um, we're in a pandemic, um, and you have, you know, we're in, we're in a war fight in many ways, right? Every, there's, yep. there, are very few, there are very few companies out there that are having an easy time of it um, right now. So, so how does that translate into, you know, the, 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 the planning process for enterprise? Is it a, do you just, do you relieve team members that you feel are incapable of doing, um, you know, the, the right kind of a plan? Cause I mean, cause I mean, if the plan's bad now in this environment, if you, if you, focus on the wrong things, if you do the wrong things, if you time them the wrong way, if you don't consider all the variables that you're facing in the market, you, the probability of pain or failure for a company is heightened versus the normal uh, sort of course of business. We're seeing a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of companies, well-known brands are going out of business right now. What do you do? Do you just, do you try to teach them and improve them or do you just yank them out and, and put someone in who you, you have faith in? And I think it's a matter of whether or not you can isolate the cause. If you isolate the cause for, for which the individual or by which the individual has failed so that you can then mentor and tutor that individual, that that's one thing. Mm. If it's if it becomes evident that the individual is just incapable of leading the organization, that's another thing. One thing I would I would like to mention is when I talk about the mission, if you correlate that mission to the defense, I can I, I can tell you to the defense industry. Uh, a number of years ago, Bill Swanson said the international sales we have is at 20 percent. Yep. I want I want to increase it to 30 percent. Now, there's a great role for Beacon in doing that, and, and, and obviously, but I wanted to do that. So all kind, that was the mission, that was the commander's intent to do that. Mm. And all kinds of actions take place. It takes a place. Beacon has a significant role in defining what the uh, 
pipeline of opportunities are, which of the countries it makes sense to go in and expand. But Raytheon over a period of time achieved 30% yeah. international sales. Yep. So it, it says that if the commander or the CEO puts the priority there, people will follow suit and follow that priority. And if they can't achieve that priority, then over time, after having been mentored and helped, they go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think the um, one of the reasons I think this book is so important right now is because I think the, the penalty for misstep is significant. And so having a, you know, having a clean understanding of how to do what it is you're, you know, the, the challenge of developing a, a growth strategy is like with the process steps, the team members mm -hmm. to be involved, how you analyze it, how you think through it um, is, is, is really important. Cause I, you know, one of the, one of the reasons people fail is they just don't know what to do, right? They're, right. they're good people. They want to do well, they want to work hard, but they're being asked to do something. They just haven't been trained to do. You don't, you don't give someone the keys to a tank who hasn't been through tank school, right? You know, you, you just, you have to teach them. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, that's a piece. And, of and, and failure, failure to do that in many cases is a leadership failure. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Well, and that goes to the second group, which is uh, a, a, a target for the book, which is r really experienced practitioners who have to lead an organization um, so sort of at the campaign level, right? Not the, not the lieutenant on the, field, but the, but the, but the campaign level. And, you know, to do that well, I think if you look at your definition of variables that align with, um, you know, groups that are high performing, clear lines of communication, clear roles and responsibility, clear expectation, clear process, right? The we're all going to use the five-step process. Um, is is part is part of the value of, of you know the the framework that we that we have. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I you know I this has been a great conversation for me and and I one I always enjoy talking with you because um, I, I think I, I really like how your brain works and uh, you've got a lot to teach and offer to people. Um, but I but I, I I believed in my heart of hearts that there was a lot of overlap in in how I thought about it and how you might plan a campaign. And, um, you know, it seems like it seems like based on this conversation that that is much the case. So, I agree. I, I think it is. Yeah. And, and uh, not everyone understands that. But when you consider the number of ex-military people we have in the defense industries today, they ought to get it. I said the Air Force did not use this plan. They used the ATO, the Air Tasking Order, plus mission briefings. So it's, a, but the format and what they provide is basically the same as basically, the yeah. field order. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. General, I, I thank you for all you've done for all of us over the years. I and, appreciate uh, it. Thank for you. what you keep doing for us today at Beacon. You're a, you're a, a key component of our success. And I, I do appreciate you, sir. Well, you're kind, and I deeply appreciate the opportunity. It keeps me from getting too old too fast. So <laughs> thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Growing the Top Line. For more information about growth strategies and to learn about our firm, please go to beacongroupconsulting.com. That's B-E-A-C-O-N-G-R-O-U-P consulting.com. 
And if you're interested in the book Growing the Top Line, it's available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you.